Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. And this is Shondaland Revealed, the official Shondaland podcast for the night that we like to call TGIT. That's Thanks Something It's Thursday on ABC. I'm really glad to be back. We've had a long break. You guys undoubtedly had a great holiday and hopefully ate a lot and got some relaxation in. But actually, at this point, you don't even remember it because it was such a long time ago because I know I don't remember it. So I don't know why you would remember it either. But we're back and even better, the shows are back and we're back for the first podcast in the new year with literally one of my favorite people in the world who I've known longer than a lot of people I know actually in my life and who still speaks to me, which is amazing (laughs) after that amount of time. It's just incredible. And who honestly, there's not enough to say about because she's such a phenomenal actress. She's so cool to hang out with. She's amazingly fashionable. She's a really nice person and she has the best style sense. We're gonna talk about her houses, like the way her decorating too. But I have here Ellen Pompeo, who you guys all know as Dr. Meredith Gray in the interestingly titled Gray's Anatomy. Interestingly titled. Oh, right? I really like the title. I think we should keep it. Do you think so? I do. Because there was a period of time where they wanted us to change it. Remember that? Yeah, I'm so glad that we decided to I keep so, it. I am so too. And I think we should keep it. I think it's, so, working. I think it's working for us. Yeah. Yes, and I think it's probably a good thing. Now, as is tradition for the Shondaland Reveal podcast, I'm going to tell you what Ellen is wearing today. <laughs> so Ellen, I would say, is wearing a jaunty cap, sort of a tweed. It's an Irish mafia an Irish skelly mafia cap. Skelly cap. <laughs> I knew she would know the terminology, see, because she's very, very fashionable. And she's wearing sort of a long black crew neck cashmere sweater and some really cute black and white nitty leggings and some pretty fabulous black velvety suede shoes. Creepers. <laughs> They're called creepers. They're called creepers. I'm a geriatric and I was born in 1932, so creepers mean things that are totally different to me. Well, no, they're from the 80s. They're super cool. Then I should know what they you are. You should know what they are. Come on. I we're live the same. through them. Sure, we live through them. These I are live... like, you know, Boy George in London in the they 80s. They actually do. They're creepers. super, super fabulous. And of course, in honor of Valentine's Day, which will be coming up shortly, I am wearing a gigantic heart and um, I'm wearing some <laughs> pink shoes and an excellent sort of arrow as a hat and some sparkly sunglasses. So it's going, it's going really, really well for me today. That was we such a producer's answer. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we also should say hi to Lori, who works with Ellen and is visiting and is sitting in. So hi, Lori. Hi. Hi, you can hear her in the background. She's looking pretty fashionable, too, because she's wearing like a fur vest and some cool boots and has a really awesome handbag that I might steal at the end of this. Okay, so we're actually here to talk about episode 1209, which is called The Sound of Silence. Um, my memory is it was directed by someone new to our family, but who was super cool, which is Denzel Washington, which was kind of incredible. This episode, Elle, it's mind-blowing. You're mind-blowing in it, but it's also just what the episode is about is so intense, and everybody who's listening to this will have watched it. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about what happens in the episode and what also it was like to shoot that. Because for me, when I read it, I was so surprised coming back after the winter finale to come into this entirely different world where I felt totally self and totally normal, and all of a sudden this incredibly horrifying act of violence occurs against you, against Meredith, which is shockingly, appallingly amazing. And when we first cut it, Shonda actually called me into the office. She went, oh my God, you gotta watch this. Really? You gotta watch this. Really? And I literally was watching the first like piece of cut together footage and I had to turn away at one point. The whole concept of getting beaten up and kind of being left for dead by somebody who wasn't even in control of what he was able to do. Like super upsetting. Well, you know, it's always interesting because obviously I have one perspective because 
I'm on the other side of it filming it. Also, what's so interesting about my experience is that I film it knowing one thing. And then when the director, and usually Shonda, you know, Shonda has such an interesting post-production style that she does layers and layers of things to shows that we did not know would happen when we shoot it. You think, you know, you're seeing it as straightforward as you can when you're shooting it. And then after it's been edited and sound has been either taken out or put in, you know, she does flashbacks where you, you, you didn't, there was no flashback in the script even. No. She just decides, she thinks about a scene and decides to grab that scene and throw it in there and it just makes it so much more impactful. She does a lot of stuff in post that make it so much different. So you watch it not knowing what to expect. Yeah, it's true. I think we always have talked about the fact that there are two stages of writing for the shows. One is when the script is written and then it's shot and then it's almost like it's rewritten and sometimes reimagined in post. And the sure. second stage where mm -hmm. she and the editors, and we have such good editors and our music supervisor is terrific who provides all this music for her and the editors to place. And it's this really amazing thing when you actually do end up watching the end result. And I think, I think in this episode, it's beautifully done and you'll see the emotional storyline of being somebody who can't speak and can't even hear for part of it, but who is looking around and seeing everything and not being able to say what they see is such an interesting idea. The point of view that Meredith now has on everything that's going on around is kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think as an actor, to not be able to speak is amazing. So, in, so often in television, a lot of what we do is we have to give information, which sometimes can be a slightly daunting part of being an actor, is to give the information and still make it feel real and present and exciting. And to not be able to speak and to not have those words to rely on, to just have yourself pressures you into this amazing pressure cooker of a situation yeah. where you have to step up and dig and find something and do it and whatever that is. And it's just so much more interesting to play. Super, not being able to speak. It super is. And I also just think what's great about the episode is that Meredith is watching all these relationships which we left in this cliffhanger mm -hmm. the episode before. And it, we're as frustrated as she is because if you could say something, you could help, <laughs> you could right. change things. Mm -hmm. But what's really, really difficult is we're in the same position for all intents and purposes as you are because we're screaming in our televisions. Uh huh. Uh -huh. You're screaming inside your brain. So it's like the closest thing to being there for a viewer mm -hmm. in a strange way and having a character who's not speaking their mind. But it's also watching America's, one of America's favorite characters of all time, getting the crap beaten out of her and then going through an amazingly difficult bunch of months of recovery is super difficult too. What was the hardest thing about it to shoot? There were different stages of questions that I had. You know, the first thing initially when Debbie told me they were planning this episode was I said, so Meredith is going to have be attacked again. Do you think the audience is going to go for that? Are, are they going to be able to handle that? Has enough happened to Meredith? And she said, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And that's Debbie Allen, our producing director on the show. Just to remind and people. as always, listen, if Shonda thinks something's a good idea, it's usually a good idea. That is true. For 12 years, pretty much when she's thought things were a good idea, I think we've been shown they're always a good idea. So if she wants to do it, I'm always like, okay, let's go. You got to trust in, you know, Shonda. So even though I had my reservations, I'm still gung-ho to give it everything I have, not having read it. Then finding out that Denzel was coming on to direct it, I was like, oh yeah, let's go. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, oh, I was so I... excited. I mean, that just completely, you know, life is so interesting in that way because you have these opinions about things and people sort of get attached to their opinions and their ideas about things. And one thing can come along. The wind can blow a certain way on a day and just make you feel completely different about something. Yeah. And I think that's one thing about Grace that resonates with people, that people identify with, connect to why they come every week, is because we can 
break open their minds, make them think about something in a different way. I could have all kinds of preconceived notions about this episode and we've seen it before, you know, how many things are going to happen to her. But if I was just, I was just open a few to, to letting it happen and open to see what happens. And, and when I was open, Denzel flew in the window. <laughs> yeah, like well, a bird. <laughs> what, was, what was it like working with Denzel? You know, intimidating, but in the most fun way. I mean, listen, he's, he's one of the best to ever play the game. He's definitely, you know, one of the greatest living actors. So to get to like just work with him in any capacity is a dream come true. And especially being on a show 12 years, a television show 12 years, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the opportunity to work with Denzel in my life. And I certainly would never, again, here's an idea that I had in my head, would never believe that year 12 of a television series, I would get to have one of my directing dreams or acting, actor dreams, whatever, come true in that space. And again, life surprised me and any flu. Well, yeah, and you know, a large reason is obviously, I mean, <laughs> his wife, Pauletta, is a huge fan of the show. Pauletta's fabulous. Yes, um, we love Pauletta. Certainly, Debbie Allen and he, I know, have known each other for a long time, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it's also, it's a testament to how good the show is that yes. he wanted to be there, and that's a yes. testament to Shonda's writing and the, writer, the writer's writing and you guys and the fact that you continue to make the work seem fresh and exciting, and that ended up being attractive to him, too. So that was one of the things I found I was, was so proud of, that even in season 12, the work everyone is doing is bringing in people who are, want to be challenged and are curious and are enthusiastic and mm -hmm. want to be part of the process. And this season, too, I just think the season's been freaking, freaking awesome. Yes. In terms of everybody bringing their A game. And I mean, everybody does, but there's something about the stories and how things are coalescing. It's just been so much fun to watch. Episode five, I think Debbie's episode was fantastic. Oh my God, episode five is so good. But again, you know, doing something like this, season in and season out, it's like the seasons, the weather. It changes and it shifts. And some winters are hard and some are easier. And some summers are brutal and some are easier. And on 12 years, sometimes you just get a season that we just, you know, knock it out of the park and everything is synced up and all the planets are aligned and everything just works and people are inspired and all just comes together. But it's it's, it's, it's cool. a testament to the fans that they've stayed with us too for 12 years because not all seasons were uh, are amazing. They can't be. You know, we try our best all the time and like children in school or high schoolers or whatever, you know, some semesters you do your best and you just couldn't get that A. And, you know, but you got to keep trying. You yeah. know, you got to keep doing it. And it's the same yeah. with us, but they still stick with us. And they're excited to see us continue to try and continue to raise the bar. You so. know what I think is interesting? I think partially it's due to the fact that every single season has its own tone. The weird thing is there are seasons that I thought that people didn't respond to. And then I've got friends, the seasons that I was sort of like, did you like that season? That will be their favorite season for a reason, which is totally different than somebody. Right. And everyone I know has a different favorite season. Mm -hmm. And different and favorite characters. Different, different favorite characters because uh -huh. all, you guys all sort of grow very slowly and organically. But that's what's super cool to me is you never get with a group of people who don't, when you start to talk about Grey's Anatomy, if they've watched it for a long time, or if they started and then they stopped and they watched it again, which you get a lot too, that you don't have a massive fight breakout about either what their favorite season was, who their favorite character was, why their character did X, Y, and Z at this particular point. And it, I do honestly think it's because it's one of the only shows I've seen where over a long period of time like this, the tone of the season is always a little bit different. And the tone of the season just reflects a whole lot of stuff. I think we were all both impressed and scared when we beat Meredith up in episode 1209 because Meredith's had a rough go of it, man. But at the same point, Meredith came through 
continues to survive through these things and learns from survival. I think I said to somebody the other day, you know, obviously no one expected the show to go 12 years. No. So you don't yeah, no think clue. you're going to have to come up with 12 years of devastating things happening to one character. However, I, you know, look at the news every day and read newspapers online and people have had some pretty unfortunate series of events happen yes. to them in life. You know, things that you would never think could happen. You know, people being at, at, at two different mass shootings and, you know, random weird things do happen. This, you know, Earth is quite an interesting place. Oh, absolutely. So, without um, a doubt. You know, we can always suspend our disbelief enough to be able to tell some story and hopefully learn some lessons. And, and look, it's a hospital and hospitals yes. are filled with catastrophes, mm -hmm. right? And it's that's true. very often where the best day of your life or the worst day of your life occurs. So it's not necessarily as unbelievable as it would be if, oh, I don't know, this show is set at a fashion magazine and this sort of stuff happened. Yes. I, I will say that I think sometimes being related to Meredith is as dangerous as maybe being Meredith. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's some sort of witchcraft happening. Meredith has got some dust blowing around her. Totally. There's something going For on. For sure. It's, There's something yeah. going on. You know, what I think about often, I guess I'm sure people ask you this too, but it's like, given the fact that we've been doing this for so long, I just remember having no idea that any of this was going to happen. Like I knew it was great and I believed in it more than life itself. And before we aired, I remember looking at Shonda going like, I'm going to take VHS tapes of this. If nobody watches it, I'm going to drop them off at people, VHS, you guys, drop them off at people's houses because people should watch the show because it's so good. You know, to bring it right back full circle to what I was talking about before, you don't know in life what is going to happen. See? You can believe something, you can think you have your ideals and your beliefs, and then one day something's going to happen and maybe going to change your mind. You never know what's going to happen in life. You know, the, the, one of the most famous things that I've ever said, which, you know, diehard fans will know, is I, the, the media loves to quote, is that I said I hated medical shows. I'm not going to do a medical show. I hate medical shows. Well, this has been one of the most unbelievable experiences in my life. Well, you know, and that was an idea that I had, and I, you know, and I, a judgment that I had, and I threw it out. I hate medical shows. I threw that negativity right out into the universe and look what it spit back at me. Okay, so I... A life-changing... A life-changing event, You know, right? there's my lesson. There's, well, you know, oh. college of life right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I... Death when we first though. started talking about this idea, when we were developing the show back in 2003, 2004, whenever it was, part of it was a medical show idea in discussing it. I said, I don't like medical shows because I don't know what people are doing. I don't understand them. I can't follow what's going on. It doesn't make any sense to me. And we started talking about it. Shauna said, you know, there are these things called interns and they don't know what they're doing either. And I said, well, that's great because then anybody who doesn't know what they're doing will have somebody that they understand. I didn't watch medical shows like for the most part, but look at what happened. You didn't like them either. No, and you know, the weird thing is the way you ended up on this show was also super random because you'd gone in, to, I believe you auditioned for an FBI agent for a pilot at ABC. And I remember seeing your little tape and you were like in an, a little outfit being very <laughs> FBI-y. I'm using my finger and I'm pointing oh, a lot right 98 now. pounds of You were me. like soaking wet. And we'd seen you in Moonlight Mile in the Brad Silverling movie. And But we saw this little audition. It was it was you being incredibly intense. You wee little thing being intense as this FBI agent. And you were very believable, even though 
were, the you were studio weird. didn't think so, but, but that's okay. But, they made the right choice. And one of the executives called and said, hey, we saw this woman for this FBI thing. We ended up casting somebody else. You should take a look at her. And we both looked at you and fell in love with you. And I remember the first time you came in to meet and we had this long conversation about Blake Boston. You were super genuine. You look at those moments and I think that the fact that I would be sitting 13 years later you is know, hysterical. the whole thing, again, was a happy accident because how it really came about, how the whole sort of thing even came about. I mean, Moonlight Mile was Disney. So it was still, I still had done, worked for the company in another capacity. But really, I had gone in to meet J.J. Abrams for Alias. Oh, I remember that. And yeah. I wasn't crazy about coming onto a television show, even though I loved Alias. Um, I was, you know, a spoiled, idealistic actor at that time. And I said, I really want my own show. You're J.J. Abrams. Give me my own show. The, uh, Alias is amazing. It's her show. I want a show. So <laughs> Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi were both in that meeting. Great. And they were kind enough to then write a show and call me in to audition for it. So that was that FBI show. It was called Secret Service. Oh and God, I wanted to work with those guys so bad because I loved Alias. And I thought J.J. was so cool. And then Alex and Bob wrote this great pilot and I was like yes this is what I want to do this is what I want to do and my agent was saying there's this medical show they want you to meet on and I said no I really want to be a spy I want to do this and then I did the screen test that you saw it was so amazing I didn't get that part right? that's how great I was as you were so good I was so yep. and then I ended up on Grey's and Justin Chambers the another great story who I knew from New York we would audition together and of course I knew who he was because he was a super hot guy he was always at auditions and oh, he had yeah. a wife and a child he's a super hot guy who you knew was completely off limits so I knew Justin because he was the super hot guy who was completely off limits and then I knew him in New York and then I would see him out in LA a little bit when he showed up on Grey's I was like oh my god Justin hi we had done a commercial together Justin and I and then I found out that he was on that F the the secret service pilot oh my god I never put go. that together talk about you know people who things are meant to be and what's yeah. meant to be Justin and I have always been in each other's orbit that's why I feel like I have such a connection to him because yeah you guys do now We've got some fan questions, okay, and great. you've got a lot of fan questions. Because Yay, you've got thank a lot goodness of, we have lot a lot of fans, fans right? and a lot of fan questions. Like, it's better. What would be horrible is if you asked her fan questions, and then there was just a dial tone. That would suck. Can we say suck on a podcast? You sure can. You can great. say suck-a-duck-a-duck-a. That would suck. No fans would suck. We it, love it, you guys. It's true. It's like it would just be yes. the weirdest thing ever. I have a podcast because we have fans. Exactly. Because I have very few marketing yes. skills. If I could I make all the fans pizza, I would. I can't. <laughs> But that's how much I love them. That would be a very big oven. It's not going to happen, guys. Oven. Sorry, we love you. It but it's just, you know, one of my dreams. But You know what it is? It's virtual emotional pizza. She's sending you virtual emotional pizza <laughs> exactly, right now. Exactly, right? exactly, yes. Um, at Grace Pomps wants to know, if you could go back to any moment in the past 12 seasons, what moment would you relive? Which is not dissimilar to Lemily, who wants to know your favorite episode or season so far. What, what for you kind of pops up? I mean, I would work with Denzel again in a heartbeat, obviously. I would love, love, love him to come back and direct another episode mm -hmm. next year. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many episodes that I remember shooting. Obviously, we've done almost 300 of them. Yeah. And I can't really say one moment. There's been so many amazing moments. This show has been such a huge part of my life. I could never say there's one moment because I have, you know, years of moments with different cast members and Everybody's, Sandra and I have like a, like a country full of, of moments. moments, you know? I did a thing recently where it was one of those things they went back and said, oh, you know, looking back over the years, all the stuff started pouring out. And mm -hmm. the other problem is that it's always for me what you just did. So like somebody asked me about last season, I was like, it was you in the deathbed scene. 
that moment where you dance it out with Sandra in that last episode. Or, mm -hmm. There are these things that pop up, but then when people start talking to me, I go like, oh, the shooter. The shooter I forgot was a about great the episode. shooter, man. Yeah. I love the that freaking shooter. That was amazing, yeah. Like, but it is, That's it's okay. Michael O'Neill. The actor who was the shooter in the shooter episode was Michael O'Neill. Literally. Such a good actor. I know, he's so good. Yeah, he was, he, he just brought that whole episode home. Like, talk about, you know, me and, you know, it's our show and the actors, but Let's for a second give a shout out to some of All our amazing people. guest actors who come on, they get no glory, they get no attention, but they come onto the show and they give it everything they have and they really help tie all of our episodes together. We're very lucky to have some of the guest casts that we get. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. No, and also Linda Lowy, who's our great casting director, mm -hmm. who finds all these terrific people. Yeah. And I'd also, you know, like to point out that at this point now we have a weird revolving repertory where we start people in grays and then we start yes. migrating them onto other shows yes. as, as characters so it's nice to see Ellis Gray is now Sally Langston and mm -hmm. Jeff Perry who was your father is now Cyrus a lot of people will have versions of this but Maria at Swift Gray's and Marley at Robbins Gray wants to know like what's the most inspiring thing to you about Meredith Gray what do you admire most about Meredith Gray <laughs> that she has to keep keep going Despite all these horrible things that happened to her, she has to get up and film another episode. <laughs> <laughs> She's really got a got a spunk that gonna, Meredith. I was gonna say she gets right up there, get right gonna, back on that horse. I was gonna say I think Meredith. I guess I guess the answer would be stamina. You yes, guys, yes. That Meredith has a lot of stamina. Now Val at Pompeo's Anatomy wants to know what qualities do you and Meredith share besides stamina? We look a lot alike. <laughs> we look a lot alike, Meredith and I. Uh, she's really you dead ringer for me. Jaylene from Anatomy Gray's wants to know if you had to play another character besides her own, who would it be? I would say probably Christina Yang. That would have been just super cool to see. Yeah. If we could have done like a weird, somebody else suggested this, but like a weird Freaky Friday episode where everybody switched. Yeah. That would have been actually sure. super, super fun. And I'm going to give props to, it was Amy Reed at Calling Me Amy. And she said, if there's a Freaky Friday themed episode, what would you like to see switch roles? And I, I would love to see you guys switch. I would also love to see Alex become Chief Weber and Chief Weber become Alex. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. That would be a good swap out of me, too. I just uh -huh. think that that would be super, super fun. I also wouldn't mind playing McSteamy. <laughs> Mark Sloan. I feel like I could kill it. Can I tell Mark you something? Sloan. You would own Mark Sloan. I would so own it. Now, Nicole wants to know at Sassy Ass Pompeo, do you like playing, <laughs> by the way, one of the best... Uh, at Twitter's, I've heard Sassy Ass Pompeo. Sassy Ass, I like that, yeah. Very sassy, yeah, very sassy. That's my nickname for myself. Nicole wants to know, do you like playing dark and twisty Meredith, or do you prefer playing happy Meredith? I like it all. I get to change it up. That's why it's such a great job. I, I don't ever have to do the same thing. Um, Gabrielle Marie. Hi, Gabrielle Marie at Gabs Gabs. Are there traits that you don't like in Meredith? Not right now, but I think it's also sort of infamous with the fans of the show that I didn't necessarily, as famous as it is, pick me, choose me, love me. I would never beg a man like that. <laughs> and I, I would have to frown upon that you in guys, any she wouldn't. girl who asked me for advice. I would always advise them, do not beg and say, pick me, choose me, love me, even though they all loved it. Um, and it worked. It, it did work, which is a very valid point, Betsy Beers. There you it go. It worked. He chose me. He did. He did. So because you, you there's another your, life lesson. Just because you don't want to do something doesn't mean it won't work. We're learning a lot today, Ellen Pompeo. That's what I'm saying. Grace I'm really glad University. I showed up for work. 
Grace, Grace University. University. Who wants to sign up? Well, you may already be at Grace University Grace if you're you. listening to this podcast. Okay, so M at TV Hysteria wants to know who's the craziest on set. I think she means probably the wackiest behavior. Like who's who's funniest? I don't know. Everyone's, you know, actors are all kooky. So I don't think there's a funniest. I think everybody has funny moments. Like there's just a bunch of crazy yeah, funny people. Yeah, it's just kooky. It's just having kooky. Having some kooky stuff going on. Kooky. Um, Mina um, OMFG at Pomp X Stella, which I probably think means Pomp loves Stella, yeah. which is nice because she does love her. Um, how do you prepare for intensely heavy scenes? You just have to, you know, use whatever you can at the moment, depending on what the scene is. And you just have to think of upsetting things, really, is how I do it. I think of very upsetting things. Yeah, it's like, only for a short time, and I know somewhere in my brain they're not real. And then you get to stop thinking as soon as they say cut, and you try not to have to do it that much. If you think of something really upsetting and you really kill it on the first couple takes, you don't have to do it that many times, so it's okay. That's a good point. Yeah. You, and you've always been, I've got to say from the word go, you've always been able to call up emotions and... You are somebody I know who can actually cry, and you're really crying, and it's really upsetting to watch. Because yeah, I've I mean, I, it. I always think it's more interesting not to cry. You I know, totally that's agree. a lot of times fighting the crying. Fighting the crying is is for, for sure more interesting. But a lot of times, you know, writers and directors want full on tears, which you kind of have to fight for that to be more interesting to hold it back. Yeah, I get that. I um, totally, totally get that. But yeah, um, Maddie at Ellen Pompeo OH wants to know how do you memorize the lines, especially the medical jargon? Yeah, I run lines with my. Assistant or a PA or a friend on the set. Jaylene at Anatomy Grays again wants to know if you had a chance to work on another Shondaland show, which one would you choose? Uh, it would be a brand new show that she creates, one that doesn't exist yet. Okay, there you go. That's an excellent answer. And then what else are you watching on TV? Tears of Grays, Ella wants to know. I have to say, I've been really supporting. I've been supporting the company this week. I've watched the Madoff thing last night, which was fantastic. I loved it. I just watched American Crime for the first time uh, the other day. King. I loved it. I thought Regina King was amazing. Oh. Um, Timothy Hutton was amazing. Yeah. Hope Davis, Davis was amazing. Uh, Timothy Hutton and Hope Davis together had a scene that was just breathtaking. Solid, solid acting from the from the young kids on the show um, playing the, the students. Mm-hmm. I love Mr. Robot. Um, oh, yeah. I love Narcos. Um, I love Unreal TV, Constance Zimmer, great. who yeah, is Constance, on our show. Yeah. I love, big fan of Constance. We'll follow anything she does. Me too. I did watch the FX OJ trial. I did too. I started that. Um, I thought Sarah Paulson was so good, is killing it. So she good. is just like literally took my breath away. Like so strong. She's such a good actress all the time. Everything she does. But I was completely sucked in by the performances on that. On that as well. I can actually hardly wait for the next one. Yeah. And the funny thing with that one is we all know how it comes out, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. My husband actually, because he's a criminal defense attorney, which you guys who listen to the podcast know, he was around during the OJ case and had connections with a couple of different people who were involved. And I sort of thought, and he's read all the books, and I sort of thought that he would be less engaged, but it was as though he didn't know how it was going to turn out. Mm-hmm. And the other thing which was really fun was actually watching what they did to make LA look like the freeways. And that at the very, very end, that it looks like it's 1990s, right, was right. so cool. Yes. Because it doesn't look like that anymore. So we're right. like, oh my How God, it looked that? like That's that. That's stock footage or? I know. I think what they did was, I think it was a lot of green screen as my guess, but mm-hmm. it was just, it was super cool. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for doing this and taking the time on a day off and wearing your incredibly groovy shoes. <laughs> thank you. And spending some time with me doing this. I know the fans really appreciate it and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Betsy. Next week on Grey's Anatomy, the episode is called All I Want Is You. Um, as you know, every 
episode is named after a song, and this is no exception. And I think we're going to watch the hospital deal with Meredith's trauma, and you're going to watch Callie and Maggie get involved on in an experimental surgery, and that's all I'm going to talk about about that. And Owen and Nathan, I don't know those guys. Those guys are really don't seem to be able to resolve their crap, so I'm going to guarantee you there's going to be more of that too, because there's a lot of unanswered questions with those two, which I'm finding very puzzling, but also very intriguing to watch. On Scandal, it's called The Candidate, and um, Melly's going to be seeking out Olivia's help on something. It's going to be really fun to watch. And where do you see those two in this episode? It's it's kind of amazing. And a couple of other really shocking things come to light. But that's what I always say on Scandal because I don't tell you anything. Um, next week on How to Get Away with Murder, it's called She Hates Us. Let's just say it's getting tense in the Keating household. I think between the kids, Annalise, and what she's just been going through, we got some temper temperatures sort of rising and some tempers flaring. And you're going to see more of that. And guess what, you guys? We're sort of moving towards final beats of that show so don't miss it so that's Grey's Anatomy 8 o'clock Thursday night ABC Scandal 9 o'clock How to Get Away with Murder 10 o'clock that's TGIT thanks for following all of our Shondaland shows on the various social platforms and for getting caught up re-watching on ABC.com or watch ABC app thanks again EW.com for posting an exclusive first listen of this podcast every Thursday night we love you EW very very nice and kind to do that and I really like your magazine and I'm not just sucking up to you don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to this fabulous podcast at iTunes.com backslash Shondaland where each new podcast episode is available on Friday evenings we'll be back next week with another Shondaland Revealed podcast. Until then, this is Betsy Beer saying, stay safe, be good, have a great week. Bye-bye.